Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here with a man who always expects the text at around 9 p.m. And the text usually goes, uh, Frank's buried in work. He can't make the podcast. Do you feel like talking about Bucks in about an hour's time? And he inevitably always says yes, unless he's already fallen asleep. It's, of course, my good friend, Justin Garcia. How you doing, man? Well, sometimes it's 8.30, but yeah, usually <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's always late because the problem is, that I, I DM Frank on Twitter and he's always buried in work. So he might not check it or something like that. And then if I see him like something or tweet something, I'll just, I'll just bump him again uh, to make sure he sees it so I can try and, uh, and plan something. But uh, I'm very thankful to have someone uh, uh, like you that is in the know, in the industry, knows what's going on, is plugged in and is able to jump in. We're going to talk a little bit of Kyle Corver here today because uh, we're starting to work through some of these podcasts looking at particular players and how uh, their role might suit down in Disney and what we expect from them. Before we do, I, I did just see a tweet come through that Dwight Howard is playing for the Lakers down in Disney, of course. Uh, he originally said that it didn't really seem like there was any point in playing basketball. Of course, um, you know, things can, can obviously change and it's, it's not a surprise that, that he is going down there. Uh, we know most of the players that aren't going there, it's related to health or, or family. So, so not a huge surprise here. Dwight Howard hasn't been someone that's been able to really have any impact at all uh, against the Bucks this season, though. I, I wasn't surprised to see Dwight Howard opt into it. Now, um, I think we're going to see more and more guys that opt out. Now, granted, most of them have been teams on the fringe. We still don't know about Bradley Beal, but we saw Victor Oladipo, Grant, and, you know, the Pacers are in that four, five, six range, but I don't think any of us really see them getting much further than the first round. Uh, I think teams or players on teams of that stature, we're going to see a lot more of them start to say no in this next week. Yeah, interesting you mentioned Bradley Beal. I was listening to, uh, it might have been the low post, I think. It might have been Zach Lowe that was talking about this, the fact that uh, Washington actually, in a really weird twist here, have some sort of outside chance of sneaking into the play-in. Remember, they're six games behind Orlando right now, or six games behind uh, Brooklyn, uh, or six and a half, whatever that is around there. Uh, but they only need to get within four games to have this play-in tournament. We know Brooklyn's been decimated by, uh, you know, obviously injuries with Kyrie and, and KD, but also DeAndre Jordan has pulled out and, and Spencer Dinwiddie is still dealing with um, trying to recover from the coronavirus. So the Nets are going to be seriously depleted. Maybe the Wizards actually, in, in a crazy twist, see this as an opportunity to, to make the playoffs. We know they're already missing uh, Bertans. He's not going down to Disney. But th- there are an outside chance that the Wizards could make the NBA playoffs. Yeah, and But, you know, this is one of those years where it, it depends on the school of thought you have, where you should start to build that winning culture and you want to be in the playoffs every year. But let's be honest, we know the reason why we saw it firsthand with the Bucs, why teams – 
like the Bucks that are in that six, seven, eight range and below push for the playoffs every year is for something they're not going to get this year, and that's that home revenue gate. I think it's also important to note that the, the teams outside the playoffs, there is no change in, in the draft order, as they already sort of specified that. So I guess if you're going to go down there and you're going to play, you have nothing to lose. But also you mentioned players that maybe might leave the bubble during the course of, of this, the rest of the season and then the playoffs. That's obviously something that could happen here. Gordon Hayward, we haven't mentioned this on the podcast yet. So obviously the Celtics shaping up as one of the rivals for the Bucks. Gordon Hayward's uh, partner is due, I believe, in September to have a baby. And he has said that he will leave uh, the bubble when that happens. Now we know uh, it's not as simple as just packing your bags, leaving, and then walking back in and playing. So it looks like Gordon Hayward, who has had his ups and downs since the serious leg injury that he had, uh, he's going to be missing. I believe this is going to work out to be the second round, uh, potentially stretching into the conference finals, depending on what happens uh, with the quarantine and, and how much time he spends out and then comes back in and the days involved there. But that's a key loss for the Celtics. They already know this is something that's going to happen as they head into the playoffs. And we know that they are an outside, a very outside chance uh, as a team that could face the Bucks earlier in the playoffs, but certainly a conference finals potential matchup there. Well, I mean, I would assume if we're taking this as seriously as the NBA let on initially and, you know, some of the things that we heard Dr. Fauci say and give praise to what they've set up for the bubble, if the difficult part here is if if you leave, if you're somebody like Gordon Hayward that says, I'm going to report, but my wife is due in September, I'm leaving to be there for the birth of the child, that's perfectly fine. But I would assume you would have to quarantine for 10 days, maybe two weeks once you return. Possibly. But this, again, comes back to the fact that none of the players are quarantining for that, that period of time when they go into the bubble the first time. It's, it's crazy. I don't know uh, what, what the deal will be there. Certainly, there's a quarantine period of, I, I believe, 10 to 14 days if you test positive. But if your tests are negative, then I, I don't think that that's what they're running with. But again, as you sort of point to, if you're not going to do that, then you're really the integrity of the bubble doesn't really stand up. But this is a lot of things that we're going to learn along the way. Let's get to Kyle Corver. Before we dive into some of the numbers, I was looking up just some lineup data uh, before we started recording here. When the Bucks signed Kyle, what do you remember your first thoughts being and what did you expect uh, from him remembering? Uh, we're talking about a 38-year-old uh, guy here coming into a team that's coming off a 60-win season. Uh, what did you expect from Corver with this group? Well, I remember with Kyle Corver and with Marvin Williams when the Bucks worked it out with both players my initial reaction was it felt like we as a fan base kind of willed it into existence (laughs) over the summer there's a lot of talk of Kyle Korver and we saw him working out with Giannis and you thought well if you're building this team around Giannis and trying to add shooters Kyle Korver would be great we saw what he did next to LeBron and then you see oh wow it actually happened so um you know I I think initially it, it seemed like there was a portion of those that thought he would be used a little more than he was. Uh, but I think if you look at, you know, the 50 games he played in before the NBA season was put on pause, it was basically what you would expect. And the the numbers really weren't that far off from the last few seasons. And this was with 
a really long, at least it felt like, drought and cold spell that he went through. But he still shot 42% from three and, you know, was at about two three-pointers made per game and just a little bit lower volume of what he was taking. But for me, he's been exactly as advertised. All right, Justin, I don't know about you, but growing up, cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid. But I had to give it up because I realized it was full of sugar and junk that you really shouldn't eat. And as you get older, it's difficult to stay healthy. You got to look after yourself. You got to watch what you are eating. But I'm back right on board because Magic Spoon is helping me have cereal and enjoy cereal in a healthy way. They have zero sugar, 12 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. They have four fantastic flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. I'm going for the blueberry personally. I'm a big fruit guy. I think it's the best flavor at this point. It tastes amazing. It's honestly too good to be true. And of course, it is keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. Go to magicspoon.com slash NBA to grab a variety pack and try it today. Be sure to use our promo code NBA at the checkout to get that free shipping. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product. It's backed with 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money straight back. No questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash NBA and use the code NBA for free shipping. We thank Magic Spoon, of course, for sponsoring Locked On Bucks. So you touched on the workouts that he had. I believe he was in uh, Santa Barbara. Does that sound right with Giannis over the summer? But uh, the cool thing about this for me, and I don't know whether you felt the same way, was that this was one of the first times we've seen the Bucks over the last couple of years, certainly with the addition of Bud being able to attract players and on the buyout market again this year, we saw it with Marvin Williams. But Kyle Corver coming was one of those ones where I was like, ah, oh, I was like, okay. I'm like, this is Kyle Corver that, yes, he spent some time with Giannis, but he's also saying, yeah, I'll go play in Milwaukee because I'm a chance to win a title. I'm playing in a system that's going to suit me. I'm just going to bang threes uh, every time I'm out on the floor. I might get short bursts. My job is to not, uh, knock down a couple threes. That seems like it suits me. It was one of the first signings where I was like, all right, the Bucks now, as long as they have Giannis, they're going to be a team that they're always going to be in the mix for these uh, marquee, uh, not superstars, not MVP caliber players, but the fringe guys that every team and every contender wants. Well, if you put all things into consideration, it may have been the first. I mean, yeah. we talked about um, Pau Gasol last year and said that you know that kind of echoed the same things. Now, granted, that didn't work out. But with Kyle Korver, you put all things into consideration that he's a California kid who – the other team that we heard was heavily involved was the Lakers and that relationship that he has with LeBron James. So to see that and to see this guy say, you know what, I would rather play with a coach that I know and the MVP who both reside in Milwaukee of all places was uh, to me, that was the biggest moment that signaled that. So as much as we give credit to Giannis, let's also give a quick shout out to Bud because you, you mentioned Pau Gasol uh, I believe the reports around that time was uh, that Pop was like, hey, I know, I know Bud, there's going to be a good situation for you. There's some connection there. Obviously, the San Antonio tree uh, that Bud's a part of. And then Kyle Culver, obviously, coaching for years, had great success with him. So the relationship is there. I think that it's interesting now when I, when I look at the articles that are coming out now and going to continue to come out in relation to Jason Kidd and uh, Giannis. It's just so funny to me that when you see a player's coach, which Bud has always been known as a player's coach, say what you want about uh, his um, in-game coaching, say what you want about all that stuff in the, in the postseason, but he's always been known as a coach that the players love. I think the Bucks have certainly reaped the rewards from that. 
and it's sometimes you, you just have to take a step back and say, okay, when you're hiring a coach, which the Knicks are, you can put all your eggs in one basket and say it's a Giannis thing. But there's also a number of players that did not enjoy playing for him and did not enjoy him as a coach. Uh, Bud is a guy that's had an extended track record and no doubt uh, that played a big part in the, in the Corva signing, the Marvin Williams signing, and, and also, yeah, Pau Gasol, even though it didn't work out. Getting those types of guys, those are the things that can help it get over the line. So you're saying Jason Kidd is not a player's coach. Um, it was funny. I actually went on Locked on Knicks last week. I, I was going to say, I've seen you do quite a few interviews talking about the uh, ties from Jason Kidd in Milwaukee. Yeah, and I didn't, I, I'll be honest, I didn't go out there and fully blast him because I do try and, and take the Bucks hat off and step away for a bit and say, okay, what happened when Jason Kidd was here? I, I think that the direction of the franchise changed a little bit. It very clearly stagnated. But you always do have to give some credit for what happened with Giannis. I think Giannis's work rate and his want to be good, uh, or great, I should say, and to continue to, continue to work hard uh, would have eventually turned out to him being the player he is. But there's no doubt getting the keys was something that fast-tracked that. So I, I tried to be open-minded, but while at the same time saying, uh, listen, uh, Giannis loves everyone that he's very close to. He's a very loyal person. Uh, he's still best friends with Michael Carter-Williams. Doesn't mean that he's going to be desperate for him to come back and play next to him as a point guard. Probably not. Uh, I mean, those, especially the last year and a half of Jason Kidd were, uh, were very tough for a lot of people. And um, as somebody that was collecting a check from the Bucks, it was it was difficult when basically the entire fan base was done with him and wanted him to be gone um, in terms of what can you say, right? So uh, I will say this. I, I think there, uh, that the, the scenario in Milwaukee wasn't great for Jason Kidd, that the first year, sure, that he got that quick turnaround and was able to institute some things, and, and you know he had a very good uh, assistance that helped out with that. But I do think Jason Kidd, in a spot like where he is now in Los Angeles, we saw the way – he handles players. I think Giannis hit him off, hit it off with him so much because Giannis is more of a throwback old school guy. And if Jason Kidd is on a veteran team, I think he'll be successful. But you know, the Knicks, it's basically like coming into what he came into with the Bucks, where the more Jason Kidd has to be around young players or inexperienced players, I think that's where he's going to run into issues. Tend to agree. Tend to agree with that one hundred percent. As far as Corva goes, let's get back to him. So this is the Kyle Corva pod that's turned into a Giannis pod, which turned into a Bud pod, uh, which turned into a Jason Kidd pod. And now we're bringing it back to Kyle Corva. Corva was a part, when I looked at the five-man lineups for the Bucks. Corva's name first appeared in the sixth most used five-man lineup. Hard to believe. There was no Giannis in this lineup. There was no Chris Middleton. There was no Eric Bledsoe. There was Ursan Uyasova, Robin Lopez, George Hill, and Pat Connard. And now, uh, this tells you a couple of things. I, I think it tells you that the Bucks are often blowing out teams and they, they get a lot of these bench lineups play. It also tells you that much to the chagrin of Bucks fans and Frank and myself and you and everyone else, we spoke a lot about those first quarter uh, bench lineups that Bud went to certainly early in the season. I don't think that this is a lineup that's going to be used at all in the playoffs unless it's a blowout. That's fine. So I'm not, I'm not really too focused on that. Let's talk about Corver with Giannis. They played 405 minutes together this season, which is interesting because Kyle Corver played 833 minutes total. So less than half the time 
that Corvo was on the court, Giannis was there with him. Now, that's going to be some surprise, right? Because we one of the predictions we made is that when you think about plays like the Tony Snell play and Corvo's ability to curl around screens, uh, work off the ball, catch and shoot, you assume that he was going to be on the court almost exclusively with Giannis by his side. Um, before the season, yes, surprising. But honestly, I, I'm surprised the number was that high because yeah. it seemed like for the first few months of this season, that was our biggest gripe is why aren't you putting Kyle Korver on the floor with Giannis? And then we would start to see it a little bit, but then it went back to the you know those all bench lineups that you referenced. So um, I guess overall those numbers don't really surprise me given – watching what we saw once Kyle Korver was put into the rotation in and really started to get going in November and December, it, it feels like the bulk of what I've seen is, you know, everything that we screamed at and said, why are you doing this? And that's him not playing alongside Giannis. So there's a lot of numbers that, that obviously go into this and you need to take into account the three other players that were on the floor. But it's interesting to note that when in those 405 minutes that they played together, uh, only a 5.3 net rating. So the offensive rating was only 109.7 with Corver and Giannis on the floor. Now that's actually below the Bucks season average of 112.3, which took a dive in the last week or so as well. We know that the Bucks are struggling with their offense outside of the All-Star break. So the numbers don't jump out at you as, as incredible with those two on the floor. It's kind of surprising, particularly offensively. Defensively, you don't expect them to, to be... Uh, monsters, but you you would hope that the gravity that Corver can produce would benefit the offense a little bit more. Now, when you look at Chris Middleton with Kyle Corver, 262 minutes they played together in two-man lineup data, 119.3 offensive rating, net rating of 18.7. It's just interesting to see that those three weren't always on the floor together often. I think that if you're going to play them together, then you're basically resigning yourself to Giannis at the five. But again, I, I think in the postseason, Outside of these bench lineups in blowout games, Corver's going to be on the floor with those guys, you would hope. And again, this is assuming that Buddy's going to play the guys, the starters, more minutes as the series wear on. Um, you know what's interesting? I, I, I'm really not sure what to expect for the rotations in the playoffs. And I think you and I talked about this uh, a week or so ago that, that – they do have a luxury here of these eight games are basically preseason for them that, you know, they got to go 0 and 8 and the Raptors go 7 and 1 or 8 and 0 to lose that home court or number one seed, I should say. So um, Bud can use this however he wants. And even the first round, not to take anything away from the, the Nets or the Magic or if it is the Wizards, but that's really going to be more of a glorified preseason for them as well. Um, we just don't know how guys are going to come back and react from this long layoff. And it's, it's so different from the off season, even though it's the same time frame, because of how many guys we've seen say, you know, the last two weeks when they've been able to return to the practice facility is the first time they've touched a basketball or gotten shots up. Whereas over the summer, everybody's getting together and you have tournaments or you're doing stuff as a team. So, who knows how that's going to impact not only the Bucks but everybody in the league where we're so accustomed to seeing eight, nine-man rotations. It, it, we could see 12-man rotation for the first two rounds of the playoffs this year. So just for those curious, the three-man lineup data with Giannis, 
Kyle and Chris. They played 149 minutes together. Uh, net rating of 11.1, but defensive rating was up at 110.9. So very good offense. And uh, the defense was a little bit leaky there as well. What about Corbett defensively? This is clearly the concern. It was a concern when they signed him. And not a major concern as, is this going to be the difference between the Bucks winning the title or not? More just, can you actually play uh, Kyle in the postseason? What did you see from him defensively? Because to me, I thought at times... And again, I think this is the system, and we talk about the system all the time. I think it puts guys in position to succeed. Let me spit that out. But I thought at times he's one-on-one. When he focused one-on-one with a guy, he was still pretty nimble for a 38-year-old and actually had some uh, some pretty pretty highlight reel blocks, I would say, for Kyle Korver. Uh, yeah, so I was curious if you were going to go here because I remember talking about this uh, on the old um, pregame show that we did way back when, yeah. when we still yeah. had basketball and I had Jim Paschke on and we were both talking about Kyle Korver and what you said when they signed him and we saw what happened in Cleveland and some previous stops in the playoffs where, you know, you can scheme Kyle Korver off the floor defensively and just the overall notion that Kyle Korver is a bad defender. And from what I had seen this year, I wouldn't say he's bad. Now, the athleticism and the movement just isn't there given his age and all the wear and tear. And it it never really was there to begin with, but he has some quick hands and the instincts are there that, you know, he isn't this awful defender that I think we were led to believe he is. Is it to say he's one of the best on the bucks? No. Um, But you know, granted it's the regular season and not preseason, but overall I was impressed with how he looked defensively in these 50 games this season. So the Bucs have the benefit, we know, with the scheme they play and having two of the best rim protectors in the game, uh, Brooke Lopez and Giannis behind him. So that has to pr- provide some comfort. I think a matchup for me, if I think about playoff matchups that are scary for putting Kyle Korver on the floor, it's probably Boston. Uh, again, we've just spoke about Gordon Hayward. Is he there? We don't know. But they have a bunch of guys, whether it's Jalen Brown, whether it's Jason Tatum, uh, Haywood that we spoke about, obviously Kemble Walker on the perimeter. You, it's difficult for those guys to play. We've spoke before about... Ursan Ilyasova and that matchup being a scary one for him. So Kyle Korver, I, I think in a Boston matchup, you want to be careful. And I, I think you want to play him in small bursts. Is there another team that the Bucs are going to face probably deep in the playoffs? Again, we're not talking about the Wizards here. Uh, but is there a team deeper in the playoffs that you you think that you can get away with him playing or or a team that outside of Boston that does concern you as well? Uh, I think Boston would be the biggest concern. I mean, Philadelphia... Yeah. You, you would mention, too, and if, if we wanted to see a team where you feel like, I think we can get by even, you know, if the matchup isn't the greatest, it would, and, and that's, you know, really across the board, not to take too much away from them, but that would be Indiana. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. The Pacers are going to be interesting to see. No Oladipo, as we know. Uh, are they going to slip back into that uh, probably six-seed range? You certainly... If you're betting, that would probably be the safe bet. But it's going to be interesting to see for Corver again. Uh, I think across the season, particularly towards the end, he was actually shooting 50% from three in March. He had that hot game. Uh, it, was, it was against Stanford. It was the last game, right? When, when the whole bench yep. played? Yeah. So, because he missed time. Yep. yep. And, and I, you know, we didn't mention it, but Miami is another one too, where you think about... Yeah, it's scary. You can throw out where, you know, you wonder how you could play Kyle Korver in that series unless it becomes a blowout or if it's scenario like we saw against Miami early in the year when 
the situation where you're down three and you put Kyle Culver on the floor if for no other reason than to be a decoy. I'd be curious to know what the listeners think because he's, he's always been a guy that's been popular, I think, and people are like, well, this is a cool signing to get in, but do they still have faith in him uh, being able to be played in the playoffs? If you ask Bud, as you know, Justin, he will say, of course he's, of course he's fine to play. These are all the same questions in a different uh, area, but all the same questions he was being asked about Brook Lopez last year heading into the playoffs and probably will again. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how that plays out with Kyle. And of course, the off-court factor that we briefly touched on we're helping uh, Giannis shoot the ball uh, giving Bledsoe some advice we've seen Bledsoe look better at the free throw line this year as well I, I still think regardless uh, of what happens in the postseason to this point for everything he's brought on and off the court uh, the signing has been in- incredibly valuable for this Bucks team yeah and you know honestly the, the ultimate question if we want to look at what stopped the Bucks short last season yes the video game shooting of Fred Van Vliet and really a Michael Jordan-esque performance by Kawhi Leonard were huge, but uh, it may be as simple as who do you trust more to hit a shot in the playoffs in a big spot, Kyle Korver or Nikola Miritich? <laughs> uh, but by the way, I, Miritich, uh, MVP, won, won an MVP last week, uh, which is, <laughs> I don't know if Bucks fans are happy about that or annoyed, but yeah, no, I, I, I definitely hear your point. The Bucks. As far as the practice facility closed, uh, we spoke about this a little bit before we started recording. Obviously, yesterday, it was the news of the day. If you missed that podcast, I went through it in a little bit deeper with, with Frank yesterday on the podcast. Still not open, as we know. It's not going to open again before the team heads down to Florida on Thursday. Thursday, your time, Justin. Okay, for me, Friday. You're heading down at the end of the week. Uh, again, still to this point, uh, it's not hasn't been revealed why uh, it was closed, as in whether it was a staff member player, we're not sure. I'm personally fine with that. I think that's great. If these guys don't want that to be out there, then it shouldn't be out there. And I think the Bucks have done a pretty good job in 2020. It's pretty rare uh, that, that that type of thing can be kept secret. So a uh, good job on their behalf. Uh, we'll see what happens when they go down there. But uh, I guess it's travel week, Justin. Yeah, and you and I were talking about that before, that I'm surprised it hasn't leaked out, but good for the Bucks and, and really any team that does this where, you know, it's not even, hey, we had three players or three people test positive, that you're not even getting that because we shouldn't know. It doesn't impact us. It's only the people around them that need to know. So we don't need to know which players tested positive or how many players did. So good for them to keep that out of there. And, you know, I think a lot of people looked at it and – at first blush, you overreact and think, well, here we go. And this is just a sign of everything unraveling. But, you know, at this point, I I think they had only two more scheduled practices left between now and when they departed for Orlando anyway. So it's not like they're missing a lot here. And it's just, uh, I would assume, being overly precautious. Because the biggest thing about this bubble is – making sure you're not bringing the virus into the bubble. So if they realized, hey, this is how we can thwart it off, and maybe that means three or four guys aren't traveling there for two weeks, but we're going down there now and making sure the virus doesn't make its way in there as soon as we arrive, that's the best thing possible for all teams. So from a media access point of view, the Bucks obviously aren't at the facility anymore, so they canceled their scheduled press conference they had earlier today. They have said, to us that they're going to update us as the week goes on. So as soon as uh, we hear anything, I'm sure you guys will. You'll see it on Twitter either way. So uh, we'll keep you updated there. 
But as we've sort of said, a couple of days now before the Bucks move down there and this thing starts to get pretty serious, uh, we are down to 16 days by the time everyone's listening to this. Still, the Bucks are supposed to be playing the San Antonio Spurs. So it is not long. It is not long. Just over two weeks until, uh, fingers crossed, everyone's health, healthy, safe, and basketball can return. As far as the network goes, listen to my friend, the Aussie guy, Josh Lloyd on the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. He's still rolling with that daily. So if you play fantasy basketball, uh, I highly recommend you listen to that podcast. And Justin, it's, it's fun to talk about the role players. We did a George Hill pod. We did a Dante DiVincenzo pod, which was one of the most listened pods uh, of the season, mind you. People love Dante. So it was, it was about time we did a Kyle Corver pod. I mean, nothing has made me prouder than being associated with the Dante DiVincenzo pod as maybe his biggest supporter amongst the media. No, he's uh, he's a fan favorite. That's for damn sure. And I imagine he's going to play a fair uh, part in the Bucks' success, whatever they have down there in Florida. So I thank you for taking the time and accepting my, uh, let's say, 8.30, 9 p.m. text around that time. I'm sure I'll do it again. Uh, hopefully not tomorrow. I'll try and give you a day off, but I can't rule anything out. Thank everyone for listening. And of course, we'll be back tomorrow.